0: You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. And today is a special live episode of The Omni Show. We are at Nextdoor Conference, nothing to do with Nextdoor website, The next door to WWDC conference is where we are. And today we have an audience. Say hello, audience. Very well done, thank you. (laughs) And we're gonna be talking about the announcement today, the keynote and the State of the Union. And I have some panelists today. Um, From nearest me to furthest is Paul Kafasis. Say hello, Paul. Hello. Paul, thank you, all right. (laughs) round of applause for paul for uh... (laughs) and paul is ceo of rogue amoeba did i get that right moving on to liz marley say hello liz
1: hello liz
0: liz is an omni engineer at the omni group (laughs) and next we have christina fox say hello christina
2: hi christina (laughs)
0: all right awesome you are an ios developer at intuit right correct (laughs) and finally we have ken case say hello ken hello ken ken is ceo of the omni group (laughs) does anybody have anything topic just they're just dying to talk about right away Okay, I'll prompt you with stuff. Ken, you tweeted earlier about um, Siri and watch faces and maybe shortcuts. What were you thinking there? What's that about?
3: Oh, actually, first I have to... I do have a topic. I have to uh, shed for OpenGL.
0: Oh, okay.
3: (laughs) One of the first things that we did when Mac OS X came out, actually before it was called Mac OS X, when it was still Rhapsody, and then Mac OS X server, was port OpenGL games... To the Mac. So we were reporting Quake and so on. and It was nice to have some hardware accelerated 3D on the platform, which that was pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But it's not in a very big tier because metal is a lot better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really never going to miss uh, programming in OpenGL again.
0: I've done almost no graphics programming in my multi decade career, and uh, all that stuff just flies by me. But so how is, how is metal better? Uh oh.
3: No, <laughs> not the person for that. First, it's faster. It's much uh, easier to understand API. OpenGL was okay. originally designed uh, in the '80s on the uh, Silicon Graphics platform, and it was important for what it did, but it was not designed to last quite this long. I don't think. Mm. Anyway, so the other topic that yes. you we're just talking about:
0: Syrian watch faces and things and like watch that. Watch faces yeah. and so on.
3: You know, one of the popular questions that we've had since releasing OmniFocus Three has been can we support getting our stuff into the Apple Watch, put it on the watch face? And the answer to date has been, well, we'll be able to do that when Apple makes that a bit easier. And they just announced that it will be a lot easier for us. I haven't actually looked at the APIs yet, though. So one of the things I said in that tweet was, I look forward to learning what is right, possible. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's still installing on my Mac back in the hotel room. Right now.
0: right Christina, you've done some watchOS work. Is that correct? What do you yeah. think of what you've seen so far today?
2: Pretty excited for the walkie-talkie feature. I think that's pretty innovative. Yeah, um, I find that it, like being able to do that to tap to quickly communicate with, especially like my husband, and when we're at home, there's this saying where like half of your relationship with your partner is just yelling what from the next room. <laughs> and so I feel like the walkie-talkie feature will be a pretty good uh, substitute for just constantly yelling across the house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can say what directly into my watch you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I'm, I'm really, since I'm a long-time Mac developer, uh, and my heart is really with the Mac. I'm mostly interested in the announcements around the Mac today. And the first thing that, that really struck me was apps coming back to the Mac App Store. Transmit and um, BBEdit, and um, I suppose there might have been some others. Now, at Omni, our Mac apps are all on the Mac App Store. But, Paul, your apps are not. And I was wondering would you consider recalculating and putting apps on the App Store?
4: Well, so I have a stock answer for this that I can, you know, the glib, we're always considering future possibilities depending on what Apple does, blah, blah, blah. And that's absolutely true, but it doesn't really tell you anything. So seeing and having spoken to both Cable Sasser at Panic and, and Rich Siegel at Barebones, it's very clear that Apple is making overtures to developers to try and lure them back to the Mac App Store. And we're certainly more interested in that than I would have been if they didn't do anything today or Mm. didn't announce anything today. But there's a whole lot that was not discussed. It was just, hey, some stuff is coming to the App Store and that's going to be great. And then there's some new editorial that will be similar to what is on iOS, which may or may not be good. But there's still plenty of things that we need to see improvements on. For us, for Rogue Amoeba's apps, it's things like sandboxing which is a big problem in terms of getting our apps in the store. and depending on what the rules are and what the regulations are as far as what's allowed in the store will be a big part of it. And then there's also things that you and I have discussed and, and you know our colleagues have discussed like the 30% cut that Apple takes and the lack of trials and you know a myriad of things that could be improved and maybe will be improved, but it's definitely something where it's a wait and see for us. It's something where we've not made a decision, oh, this sounds great and we'll be back and we've never made a decision
0: that said we'll never be there. So another thing about the Mac was UIKit being ported over. And I think it's interesting that they announced it, but said that they won't give us any of that for a year. And I think the speculation I heard was that um, Steve Strouton Smith would have discovered it and then announced it himself. So they kind of had to. <laughs> How many people here have not written Mac apps, but would consider doing that once there's this UI kit port? Good number of hands. Let the record reflect that there were hands up. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So one thing struck me about that, though, in the demos that I saw, there were navigation controllers running on a Mac. Now, it's not like we haven't seen that before. We've seen that you know, in some custom apps like Tweety and so on. But it's different, I think, when Apple is providing you the tool to make a navigation controller as part of your UI. And I wondered if the HIG would be updated to reflect that or not. And I just wondered what that means for the future of the Macintosh interface if we bring over UIKit paradigms like navigation controllers. Liz, what do you think about this? You work on both Mac and iOS, and understand both, both platforms well. So
1: I will definitely say that I work on both Mac and iOS. Okay. I, I'm still working on the understanding part. I don't know so much about the navigation controller paradigm. I have big questions there, like I. My eyes jumped to that right away when the screen came on long before they called it out in the talk. I'm like, wait, that totally looks like they took an iOS screenshot, cut out the Chrome around it, and just stuck it in a Mac window. Mm -hmm. I have big questions about what that's going to feel like. They absolutely need to update the HIG to be very clear about what they want there, and I hope people will read that HIG.
4: And also follow it.
0: Well...
1: (laughs) There is a place to deliberately not follow it, but for the most part, yes. Read it, follow it. As an Omnigraphical engineer, I'm particularly interested what's going on with some of the APIs that are very similar between the two platforms, but not quite aligned mm-hmm. as of yesterday. You've got like NS Bézier path and UI Bézier path and If you know about OmniGraffle and diagramming and whatnot, it's probably not surprising that we use Bezier paths and some of those other APIs all over the place and have this code that's a little bit awkward that kind of juggles between the two. So I don't care so much yet. I haven't thought so much about whether I want iOS UI button, but what I want is for UI Bezier path and NS Bezier path to somehow be harmonized and mm, clean mm. up some of those developer pain points.
0: It often seems like NS color, UI color, uh, exactly. fonts, a lot of things like that could be. Yeah. So we also got dark mode on the Mac. Ken, we've already done dark mode in, in some of our apps. All of our apps? Yeah. Some of our apps? Some of our apps. How does this change things for us? Do we have more work to do? Less work to do?
3: Well, the dark mode that we did in Omni focus, for example, on the Mac... Leverages some of the same APIs they're using now. So we sort of, you know, we were using the system palette colors and they were already designed to be used that way in some contexts, but not really as the main mode for an app. So in that sense, I think we're actually pretty close. The work that we've already done will just continue to work. And there's now a blessed mode for it rather than just being a mode that you might use in, um, what were those things called? The uh, one place where dark mode stuff already showed up in the,
1: the HUD? Like a, a Yeah, HUD sort of instructor. the HUD interfaces. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, on. so that, that was what we were taking advantage of. Um, some of Apple's widgets didn't really support that fully, like the calendar. So I imagine the calendar is going to look a lot better now with, mm-hmm. without us having to rewrite it ourselves. Uh, and of course, more importantly, it will come to all of the rest of our apps without us having to do right. quite as much work. We'll still have to update our icons to fit in with it mm-hmm. on a dark background. We'll have to make sure that... You know, anywhere that we're coloring text or have rich text that we have some way of handling what that should look like on a dark background and so on. But, so it's not going to be free, but it's going to be a lot easier with, with it being an officially supported mode.
0: Mm, cool.
4: Well, So Ken, I have a question for you. So we have a couple apps that have a dark mode and a light mode. Are you planning to just follow what the system is set to? Or are you playing, because you have a control right now that lets a user set it per app, right? Right. And it could very easily be like, we got a room full of people. Would you use light mode but want dark mode in one app? Is there anybody that would like that or the reverse? Everybody just wants everything to either be light or dark. Everyone wants everything dark all the time. Apparently, well, I mean, (laughs) in Apple's presentations, it was nothing dark. It's a very dark year, apparently. Uh, Okay, well, that's interesting. So we have, I don't know, dozens of people here, and none of them want a specific app to be a different mode. So that's that's useful to know. Yeah. That's some good user testing we just did Absolutely. Here. Yeah. 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 Well,
3: that's the good thing about a live in front of an audience show.
1: Right? <laughs> we should be a little cautious. I think this audience probably skews heavily towards, say, pro users, people who wield Xcode on a pretty regular basis.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think It sounds like if you're staring at the screen all day, then maybe you want something that's a little less contrast for your eyes, but say you're a student and you kind of want to stay awake and you're trying to type out a paper at like 3 a.m., then maybe light mode might be the way to go for, for that student.
3: So that has me curious. How many people here who are interested in dark mode think they'll use the automatic switching mode that Apple talked about where, you know, during the day it's light and
0: night it gets dark? All right more hands (laughs) cool a few but not a lot yeah Yeah. yeah. a few interesting i i I think everyone's crazy i can't stand dark mode because i literally can't (laughs) read the text i like i tried turning my terminal dark one day and i had to bump the font size up to like 36 to be able to read it so i I don't know it's just me though but i'll be back here in five years light mode will be deprecated and i'll be the one person (laughs) in the room bawling his eyes out So I thought it was interesting, uh, especially in light of recent different kinds of events, how much Apple focuses on privacy, security, and trust. That's a pretty big deal, as they should. It looks like they're doing a really good job. But it occurred to me that, Christina, since you work for Intuit, and that must mean money somehow is involved in things, that, that this is probably a big part of your job.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, so if for those of you who aren't familiar, Intuit is a financial services company. We have apps like TurboTax and Mint, and I personally work on the QuickBooks self-employed app, which lets freelancers and contractors manage their business finances. But yes financial data is very, very sensitive for mm. most people out there. Like Even just knowing what type of software you're, you're using as a business can be a source of data that people might not want to share with the open public, right? So we tend to take things like profits and amount due for invoices and things like that and hide it. So we mask a lot of that information, especially when a user's phone is in locked mode versus unlocked mm. mode, right? Mm. So. At least in terms of that, I'm super excited to see Apple definitely continuing their growing tradition of keeping everything all on device, all their like machine learning and everything all done on device versus uploading it to the cloud like some other companies out there.
0: Yeah. So you find that your your company's interests and Apple's are aligned, and Apple helps rather than hinders privacy.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Ken, of course, that's a big issue for Ami Focus sync users, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's
3: nice that Apple's interests have been quite aligned with ours there as well, that we don't want anybody's data if we can possibly get, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, avoid having it. Yeah, we would much rather that all of your data be encrypted on the device. It can be synced through our servers, but it's encrypted right now with keys that are only stored on your devices, and, and we can't decrypt it even if we wanted to. So we prefer that design. It makes us a much lower target for hackers. And, um, I'm glad to see Apple continuing this model as well of keeping as much of the smarts of the, uh, or like the new Siri shortcut stuff. They were saying that that work is done on your device, not in the cloud, and that seems really great to me.
0: Yeah. So going back to the Mac again, I meant to talk about notarized apps and what that means. I'm not totally sure I got what the deal is. We already have Gatekeeper on one hand where you sign an application, and then there's this new service where you send it to Apple and they analyze it somehow or whatever and notarize it? Paul, are you going to do this Sh- since you're not on the App Store? Right.
4: Well, so I think I, I might be able to explain it a little bit better. It seems like a, an improvement to the developer ID. Program. Okay. So uh, in the State of the Union, they covered it a little bit better, and we'll certainly look at it in the next few days. But it seems like a more fine-grained control. And well, for starters, they just said that some future version of macOS will only allow notarized apps. It's not clear what exactly was that it would
0: only happen. notarized for developer ID apps, and it would still allow App Store apps, certainly. But
3: yeah, so, so you can. You... It is developer ID based. Right. right now, the way the developer ID program works is Apple basically endorses our IDs and now our IDs are authorized to sign software. Right. So they, they say Omni Group is quality and, and
4: we trust them. You know, or at least they say
3: it is who they claim they are. <laughs> right, well, right, exactly.
4: Yeah, right. They're I guess they're not saying anything about quality, but they're they're saying we trust them and if they ever want to revoke one of these, they have to revoke is it at the I can't remember now. Is it at the company level or, right. or it's at the it's the whole of the signature. Right, the which would is be gone. dozens, you know, potentially dozens of products for a company, which is obviously no good. And they were talking about
3: version-specific rejection now, basically. Right. So what would happen now is you would instead submit a version of the app. So we would sign it first with our ID, just like we do now when we distribute it to customers. But we would then send it to Apple. They would countersign it or notarize it. And now it would be signed with Apple's key in a different way for each individual build. So then we would uh, share that individual build. They're still not doing an app store review process on that or anything, but... It means that if that build gets infected, they can cancel it. Now that build is no longer signed with our ID. They don't have to cancel our ID in order right. to, uh, to cancel that build and stop the virus or whatever. And did you get a sense of what the notarization process is? Is it all
4: automated the same way that code signing is? Or My sense was that it was all automated. Right. It just goes and through Apple
3: search. I think Microsoft has something like this already. on.
4: They have, yeah, they have Authenticator, which is
3: largely automated at least. I don't think they have any sort of review on it yet. And so, yeah, it seems, seems like a great move. Uh, it means that our, you know, some of the automated builds that we do through the test system, if we want that to get notarized, presumably we're going to either, that process will need to be something we can automate, and I don't know yet what the process is, or else those builds will not be notarized, and maybe we'll have to have a more manual process for like, release builds that go out rather
4: than just test builds. So to answer your question, though, it sounds like, from, from what we've just discussed and from what we've seen so far, it sounds like anyone who's doing developer ID should look at doing notarization, and it will presumably be fairly similar.
0: Okay. Uh, and just like another thing you just do. Another thing you funny. deal with and yeah. curse every once in a while. Right, but, sure. Uh, hopefully
4: yeah. works pretty well the way that developer
0: ID has. Mm-hmm. Liz, what did you think of the new uh, stuff for testing? Uh, parallel tests and uh, custom instruments and things like that?
1: I'm cautiously interested. Graffle doesn't have as much test automation as some of our other products. And I've been hoping to dig into that so maybe the idea that there's fresh new tools to work with will inspire my team to make a little more time for it but we'll see. I do flinch a little at calling that testing because I think that if all you do is write a bunch of automation and think you've tested your app you're falling drastically far short because you need some folks to get hands on and really make sure that your app feels right and is totally integrated into the rest of the system. And so I hope that folks don't just hear that testing bit and think that, oh, I'll just use all these new tools and I'll never ship a bug or a flawed user experience again.
0: At Omni, we have actual um, test humans, some of whom are in the room. They could raise their hands. There there we go. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And a um, number of customers who help us test this out. Regardless. Yes, uh, Rose Orchard is here, one of our beta testers. Uh, anyone else here beta test uh, OmniFocus 3, for instance? No, no. But we do have some OmniFocus engineers in the room. Uh, Tim and Jim.
4: They're hiding. Yes.
0: Oh, and Jake. Jake's here, too. Cool. Let's see. Oh, I was going to ask Christina about the test. I imagine since you're dealing with money, there's an awful lot of tests.
2: Yes, definitely. I'm actually especially excited when I saw that there were parallel UI tests that could be run because those take freaking forever to run, like right. run a whole test suite. And speaking as someone who just we just literally went through a whole redesign for our entire most of our app, and so having to rewrite all those unit tests and then run and run those test suites at the same time, finding that like one test would break and then having another one break in a, in a totally different place and having to re- continuously rerun those test suites just took much more time than I had anticipated and it was just one of the most frustrating experiences ever. So being able to just cut the time in half or however much time, I guess it depends on the processing power of my Mac, but however much time it's going to cut out is just going to save days and days of development. Hmm,
0: Cool. Who here feels like they've written enough tests for their apps? (laughs) Never. (laughs) That's good, that's good. If someone had raised their hand, I was going to really question them. Intensely. <laughs> so it looks like the editor's getting better. They brought back code folding. We have scrolling over scroll. Sounds like um, auto-completion getting a lot better. What do you guys think? You've been pretty happy with the new editor? Of course, looking forward to the new improvements. Let the record reflect that people are hopeful but not putting down money, okay?
1: <laughs> Fortunately, Xcode is free.
0: Yeah, that's true. We used to have to pay for things like that. Yeah.
1: Besides my work at the Omni Group, I also volunteer with AppCamp for Girls. And so, you know, the the very beginning of... Oh, thanks.
0: Yeah, every <laughs> The
1: very beginning of the keynote, you know, they're talking about everyone can code, and I was kind of hoping maybe they'd go somewhere with that a little bit more. And they didn't specifically call anything out. I was like, this is a new tool for helping people get started with iOS or macOS development, but I heard a couple things that were interesting to me, like the idea that they put their machine learning into a playground. I think that just as we're starting to get going with everyone can code, maybe we're not that far from a day when it makes sense to start talking about everyone can train a machine learning model or build their own augmented reality models and I'm really interested to take it maybe beyond everyone can code to everyone can participate in all these parts of building rich app experiences.
0: Yeah, everyone can make cool things on computers. Yeah, I like that. Anyone else have uh, additional
4: anything to add? Uh, You talked about apps coming back to the Mac App Store, but Apple talked about apps coming from iOS to the Mac, Mm -hmm. and they prefaced that by acknowledging that everyone is concerned that they might merge iOS and the Mac, Mm -hmm. and explicitly stating that they were not doing this, Mm -hmm. and that this is something, for me, as a Mac software developer for many, many years, this is something that I don't want to have happen, and it's good to hear them say that it will not be happening.
0: Yeah, Uh, Yeah.
4: I don't know how long that's good for, because Apple has said plenty of things weren't (laughs) happening, and then they did. But I feel like that gives me at least another two to three years where I don't have
0: to be super nervous about that. Mm -hmm. At least you weren't one of those carbon developers waiting for 64-bit. Does anyone even know what I'm referring to? It was a while ago. Rich isn't here. Rich isn't here, yeah. Christina are, are all your apps iOS or do you have any Mac apps or maybe you will now?
2: We do have some Mac apps I, I personally don't work on them. Um, mm. I found it pretty interesting at least from an iOS developer perspective because we have had a lot of people want kind of native versions of our apps My app specifically is only on iPhone but they but people want it to be on larger form factors like mm. iPad and everything. I guess for me it, it, it kind of seemed similar to how like React Native and React have kind of become this big thing within the web world where now you can take web developers who can now make you know, React Native components or componentize their React web projects. It's kind of interesting looking at it from the, like, if, say I me as an iOS developer, I could potentially start creating Mac apps with um, little experience on Mac. It kind of opens up a new venue for me that I would never have envisioned for myself um, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe that's what Apple wants because a lot of new developers coming into the Apple ecosystem are primarily iOS, right? right yeah. And so maybe it's their way of encouraging people to do the port or whatever it's going to be and then move into fully native Mac.
0: Mm-hmm. So how many people think we're going to get a lot more Mac apps in whatever, just over year? Uh, there's some hands. Good number of hands. Hey. How many people think they're going to be good Mac good. apps? <laughs> well that remains to be seen. Yeah.
2: No, that's the thing though, because obviously what you build on for an iPhone, even iPhone versus iPad, like the form factors there are very different. You oh, want sure. to you, like, utilize the space differently, right? And so going from an iOS app to a Mac app, very, very different
0: there too. Mm-hmm.
3: How many people think that it will at least be as good as Electron apps? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Electron. Oh good gravy. How many people here use React in some form in their code. We have a few reactors, all right, cool. Well, I think we probably are done now, so. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thanks, Christina.
1: Thank
0: you. And thanks, Ken. Uh, giant thanks to the Klein family for putting on this conference and the many conferences they've done. They, they do wonderful work, and I, I love seeing them. And, uh, they're awesome. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco, who's not here, but he can edit his voice in later because he will be editing. it. <laughs> Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Right, that was him. All right. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music.